Turn with me in the Bible to 1 John, the fourth chapter. 1 John, chapter 4. And we'll begin reading about verse 7. John, whom the Spirit of God used to pen this, also penned the gospel account of John, one of the twelve apostles of the Lamb, one of the three, Peter, James, and John, that were so close to the Master. In fact, if you had to say that there could be one that was perhaps closer than any of the rest to the Master personally, it would be this one. He's the one, when you see him around the table, he's as close to Jesus as he can get. Got his head on his shoulder. He's the one that when everybody else is run and gone, he's standing at the foot of the cross with the women. You remember that? And when Jesus looked at him and said, son, that's your mother, mother, that's your son. And he took Jesus' mother home with him. And John had such a revelation of Jesus as love and light. And he talked about it. And the Spirit of God spoke about it through him. In the gospel account of John and in 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, over and over again. And this fourth chapter of John is one of the strongest areas where the Spirit of God is speaking through him about it. He said, verse 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. He that loves not, knows not God, for God is love. Everybody say that out loud. God God is is love. love. He is love. That's what he is. Goes on to say, in this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Herein is love. Not that we loved God but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Now you begin to see the difference in the real love that God is and has toward us compared or contrasted to what the world calls love. He loved us when we were his enemies. He loved us when we were opposing him running from him, fighting against him. He kept loving us. That's real love. That's the love that God is and that he has and that every believer has. Shed abroad in their heart by the Holy Ghost. He said, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. People say, well, you know, how can I ever pay him back? You can't. It's an insult to try. What you can do is what he asked you to do. He said, if you love me, he said, two main things, keep my commands. Do what I tell you. And also what else? Love my other kids. Your brother. And if you're feel overwhelmed at times in the great love of God towards you 
and wonder how to respond. It's not hard. <laughs> love your brother. He takes it personally when you love his other kids. He doesn't need a meal, but some of his kids do. He doesn't need clothes or a place to stay, but some of his kids do. He doesn't need to be encouraged or built up or helped or comforted, but some of his kids do. And when you've done it uneven to the least of those, his brethren, you've done it to him. He takes it personally, doesn't he? Remember Saul on the road to Damascus when he met Jesus? Jesus said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou my Christians? No, no, me. And I'm sure he looked at him and thought, what have I ever done to you? <laughs> but Jesus was taken personally what Paul and others were doing against his. Well, certainly then if you did something good for him, he'd take that personally too. Wouldn't he? How can we tell if you really love God? See, some folks think, well, you know, I love God. Oh, man. I mean, me and him, whew, we're like this. But all these people, I, mean, I can't get along with them. I can't, I can't handle all them. They're, they're nuts. And, yeah, it just doesn't work that way. If you love him, what's the main way it is shown? By loving your brother. His other kids. Any parent understands that, don't you? If somebody did something for your child, that could actually mean more to you than them doing it for you personally. And you'd take it personally, wouldn't you? Uh, keep reading. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwells in us and his love is perfected in us. Romans 5.5 5 says the love of God has been shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit. But even though that love's in there, it needs to be perfected. In other words, it needs to be developed. We need to allow it to grow in us and dominate our thinking and our speaking and our actions. You can have this love in you and completely ignore it. You can quench it. You can yield to your feelings instead. You can yield to your temper. You can yield to your hurts. When all the while that love is on the inside endeavoring to influence you. It's up to us what we let influence us. The love of God in our recreated heart or the fleshy feelings and desires and emotions in our unrenewed mind and unsay. You know, your body didn't get born again. It's still the same body you had before you got born again. And it'll still feel the same way and do the same things if you let it. Keep reading. Hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us because he's given us of his spirit. We've seen and testify that the father sent the son to be the savior of the world. Whoever shall confess that Jesus is the son of God, God dwells in him and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has to us. God is love. He says it again. We ought to say it again. God is love. And he that dwells in love dwells in God and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect 
that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, now let's just stop right there, what is he? Well, as he is, he is love, so are we, so what are we? Love in this world. Say that out loud, God is love, and we are love in this world. If we're not love, then when people see us, they don't see him. Because he's love. If you see him, you see love. And if people see the love of God in us, they're seeing him. Because he's the one that put it there. Said out loud, God is love. love. And as he is, is. so are we. we. In In this world, we are love. I am love in this world. Is that true? Now it's a choice. You got that love in you if you're born again. But you don't have to walk in that love. You can walk in something else. You can be carnal, feeling dominated, emotion dominated, desire dominated. Or you can let that love get bigger inside you. You can let it be perfected and let it develop until the love of God influences your every thought, your every word, your every action. Love works no ill to its neighbor. And if you start paying attention to it and looking toward it, it'll check you. You'll start to do something and then you'll think, well, no, that'll hinder them. That'll affect them. That'll cost them. That'll cause them a problem. And if you start yielding to that, it'll become a habit to you. And one of the best ones you've ever had. Right? And you'll just be thinking that way all the time. Before you start to do something, you'll think, well, now how's that going to affect them? And how's that going to affect them? And will that hinder them? Will that, how will they take that? How will that work? You're going to be led by the Spirit, but He is the Spirit of love. And the Spirit of love is going to lead you in love. And even people that, you know, like to think a whole lot about the gifts of the Spirit, which we should. And we should covet earnestly the best gifts. But did you know the key to having the gifts of the Spirit? Follow after love. Love will lead you. When you're trying to, to see how to be the biggest blessing to people and how to help people the most, that's when the Spirit of God's going to lead you and give you manifestations. And give you opportunity and ability. That will enable you to be the bigger blessing. Enable that to happen. Keep reading. There is no fear in love. Now this is one of the greatest benefits. Of growing in love. When's the last time you met somebody. That was absolutely. Completely fearless. Not afraid of anything. Not afraid of disease. Or accident. Or airplanes or submarines, not afraid of crime, not afraid of dying, not afraid of the devil, not afraid of demons, not afraid of anything. Is it even possible to be that way? It is. If love gets strong enough in you and develops, the Bible says perfected, we'll keep reading, fear has torment. Fear has torment. Say that out loud. Fear has torment. Torment is vexation. 
When's the last time you were vexed or frustrated or annoyed? You're not enjoying that, are you? Again and again, if you look behind what's going on, you know what you'll find? Fear. You're afraid of something. You're afraid something's not going to go the right way. You're afraid something's going to happen that you don't want. You're afraid something's not going to happen that you do want. And if that fear's there, torment's there. It chews on you. It keep you awake. Keep you from relaxing. Keep you from having a good time. No doubt there were many that spent money and worked all day and cooked all day and prepared all day and were got with their families and should have had a great relaxing time but were bothered the whole time about something. Didn't enjoy their family. Didn't enjoy their meal like they should have. Didn't enjoy the trip. Why? Afraid you're going to miss a flight. Afraid your car's going to break down. Afraid so-and-so's going to act up when you get to the house there. So-and-so's going to make a scene. Afraid so-and-so is not going to treat you right. Afraid this is going to happen. Afraid this is not going to happen. These fears are all over the place. And they are tormenting folks. And preventing people from enjoying peace. And having joy and, and enjoying life in general. And it's all because of love. Not having the central dominating place. When you love God with all of your heart, soul, mind and strength. When you know that he loves you. And you cannot be shaken about that. Oh friend. When you know you can come into the presence of the creator of the heavens and the earth. And he knows you. And loves you. And he will always love you. And that's never going to change. It begins to give you a security. That others don't have. Insecurities are forms of fear. Children of God are not supposed to have them. But what if such and such happens? God will be there. What if this doesn't happen? God will be there. And he'll love us. And he'll get us through it. But what if they do this? God will be there. And he'll love us. And we'll get through it. And what if this doesn't happen? And what if that? And what if that? There's a thousand and one things you can get upset. And you can get frustrated. And you can get vexed about. Any day, any night. I've seen people that practice this so hard for so long that when things are going great, they're sitting there and they still can't relax because they figure something's going to happen. They're waiting for the other shoe to drop. Just negative souls. And friend, if you live like that, you live tormented. They are tormented souls. And it's not because life is just this way. And it's not because their life in particular is so bad. It's because love has not filled them to the place where it expels all fears. And all of us got room to grow here now. But if you don't seek it and you don't desire it, you'll never come out from that tormented place. 
Do you believe you don't have to go day and night vexed and upset and frustrated and scared and bothered about what's happened or going to happen or might happen or might not happen? Read the phrase. What does it say? What does it say? There is what? Not much. Not much. You can get your fear levels way down. No, no fear. No fear. In love, why? God is love. Reckon what God is scared of. What does God bite his nails about? Lose sleep over. Absolutely nothing. There can't be any fear in love. Because God is love. And he's not afraid. And is it true that you've got this same love in you? The love that God is, you have that in you? Keep reading. Love, back up to that previous verse, perfect love casts out fear. It throws it out. It expels it. What can get rid of your fear? Love. The love of God can come up big in you and push out all your phobias. All your dreads, all your fears. God did not give us the spirit of fear. So we don't have to have it. He gave us the spirit of power and and love. And that gives you what? Why? Because no fear. No fear. No fear. Somebody say, "No no fear, no fear, no fear, no fear. Fear has torment. You can read it on people's faces. How y'all doing? Oh, pretty good. (laughs) What does that mean? Torment. There's torment there. You can hear it in their voice. You can see it in their face. You can see it in their mannerisms. And it's no wonder. You know, so many physical problems are caused by this. (laughs) You can't do this night and day (laughs) without having issues. Right? Issues. Oh, when you realize that the creator of the heavens and the earth, the universe, knows you and loves you. Somebody say, he loves me. He loves you and will always love you and will never leave you and never forsake you. Not in this life, not in the next When that dawns on you and you believe that and you receive that love, the tension begins to melt out of you. The fears begin to fade. And the stronger that love is in you, you won't even entertain, I might not make it. You won't even entertain. We might all be destroyed and you won't even entertain it. Why? Because nobody's bigger than God. And if he's for me, who can be against me? If God's on my side, I have security. I am secure in him. Say it out loud. I am secure in his love for me. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Verse 19, we love him because he first 
loved us. Go to Jeremiah, please, the 31st chapter. Jeremiah 31. Now, we talked some last time I was with you on this about what love, real love, is not. It is not what much of the world thinks love is. It is not obsession. It is not just a bunch of feelings and emotion. Tell me what real love is. God is love. And when we hear love, when we think about it, it's no wonder the enemy has worked so hard through popular literature, through songs, through movies and everything else to twist and warp our concept of love. People love each other and they also love their car and they love pizza, right? And they love skydiving and they love golf, you know? And that's supposed to mean the same thing that God is? And yet, when people talk about love, and even when you talk about the love command, love one another, Jesus said, as I've loved you. So many Christians, they hear that and go, yeah, we need to. <laughs> I need to do, but what? But you can tell part of them doesn't want to. They're like, mm, if I have to, but I guess. Uh... And that shows Folks are not even seeing right. They're not even thinking right about what love is. So we need mind renewal to know what it means love one another. Because it's not just about having big feelings. God so loved the world. God so loved the world that he yelled from heaven, I love you. God so loved the world that he said, I just feel, oh, I feel. I reckon what kind of feelings we're giving him. Why, we're his enemies. We're opposing him. And yet, he loved us anyway. While we were his enemies. Jeremiah 31, notice this great word here. Jeremiah 31 and verse 3, I believe it is. The Lord has appeared of old to me saying, yea, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn you. What kind of love is this that God is and that God has and that he's put in us? It's an everlasting Lasting love. This is not human love. This is not emotion. Say it out loud. Ever. Ever. Lasting. Love. You can't even wrap your head around that. You just have to take it by faith. Because you ain't been around long enough. Nor I to know what an everlasting might be. Because <laughs> 50 or 100 years. Is not even close to everlasting. That's just a blip, right? He said, I have loved you. Would you receive this from the Father straight from his word to you tonight? Would you receive it from him? Is it true that that's what it means? He said, I have loved you 
with an everlasting love. What does that mean? It's not going to change. He doesn't change. And he doesn't end. So his love's not going to change. And his love's not going to end. He will never say, it's over. (laughs) I'm sorry, but the thrill is gone. And you know, we fell in love. And you fall out of love. And you can't help who you fall in love with. And you can't help it when you fall out of love. That's a lot of falling. Isn't it? Do you know why we're talking about this? Because see, people believe this. I mean, they believe it. That's why a lot of them's on marriage number six. Or why they just jump from relationship to relationship to relationship with no commitment. That's why people in and out of friendships and in and out of people they work with and friendships and churches and relationships. But that's not the love of God. That's fickle, up, down, in, out, ever-changing thing cannot be of God because he doesn't change. Sit out loud. His love love is an everlasting love. Everlasting. Everlasting. Lasts forever. forever. Glory to God. And if you're loving other people with his love, that's how it is. You begin to see right away that it can't just be feelings. Because we know feelings change. And if you think love is a feeling, well then that's why you'll buy into this falling in love, falling out of love. You'll think, because you don't feel the same, you don't love anymore. But when feelings are not all good, that's when it's all the more important to love with this kind of love, right? Which does not change. You hear people say, well, I used to love them. I used to love them. But it ain't like it used to be. And you know, we tried, but something has died. And I just can't go. It's not like a song, don't it? I can't, I can't go. How many songs have been written about love? How many poems have been written about love? And you can tell a lot of them are, well, there is a song, right? That says love hurts, right? Love hurts. And there's songs that talk about how mean love is and how bad and and how hard love is. And love is a battlefield, right? That's one of them. I'm I'm thinking of some. I mean, if you look in popular culture enough, you'll find 10,000, 100,000, a million things that love's supposed to be. And people will hear it and they'll read it and they'll go, yeah. Yeah, that's heavy, man. Yeah, that's... That's deep, yeah. And just have not a clue what real love is. And the sad thing is you got people that have grown up 
in circumstances and environments where the people that were rearing them didn't know what real love was. And they're just in and out of relationships and in and out of places and and always looking for something that's going to give me the feeling. Not realizing. The feeling is not the thing you're looking for. You're looking for the thing that produces the feeling. Love is not a feeling. But love can change your feelings. A feeling is a poor thing to live on. Have you ever noticed how much young people, particularly teenagers, talk about how they feel? <laughs> I feel good today. I don't feel good today. I just feel great. I just feel, I feel like, I feel like, I feel like. <laughs> and that's why if they don't have a lot of word in them and hadn't been taught differently, they are terribly unstable. And that's how they can be on the mountaintop today and suicidal by evening. And some have not realized that feelings are not supposed to be the foundation of our life. There's all kind of things that affect feelings and feelings can be changed. And it is so sad when you hear about a young person or an adult that maybe a relationship didn't work out. Maybe they thought this was the love of their life. Maybe they thought this or that, but they broke up with them and they said, uh, we can't be together anymore. And you hear about people that took their life because the pain, the feelings hurt so bad. And especially when you're young and you never had these kind of feelings before, the devil can tell you nobody's ever felt this bad. It's all a big lie. All of us have been touched by some of these things. But if you believe these lies, you'll think, well, I can never be happy again. I can never enjoy life without them, without this. And people take their life over things like this. They kill themselves. My heart just goes out. I, I want to get them and grab them and say, no, no, uh, go have an ice cream and take a nap and give God a half a day. You don't have a clue what's going on here. You, there's so much you don't know. There's so much you don't understand. This is a feeling. This is not the rest of your life. Anybody that's lived a while know what I'm talking about. Is this right or not? Just give God some time. But God is not a feeling. Love is not a feeling. The love he loves us with is everlasting. an everlasting love. He said, I have loved you. How many take it straight from the Father? Will you yes. take this is his word. Said out loud, his word, his word is him speaking to me. me. Said out loud, he loves me, he loves me. With, an with an everlasting love. Does that mean anything to you? Yes. Is that real? Everlasting means it's not going to stop. It's not going to stop. It's not going to change. Hold your place there. Go to James chapter 1. James 1 and 17. Every good gift, every perfect gift is from above. Comes down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. 
The Dewey translation says, there's no change, no shadow of alteration. Weymouth says, no variation, not the slightest suggestion of change. His love does not change. He does not change. Do you believe this? What if you really do something stupid? Is his love for you going to change? No. Now he didn't have to be pleased with it. He didn't have to like it. Right? It can displease him. But his love won't change. I said his love won't change. Not even a shadow. Not even a beginning of turning or changing. Why? Because he's perfection. If he changed, it wouldn't be for the good. He's already the best that can be. His love is already perfection. And he loves you and I with that love. We are the redeemed ones, his chosen ones. We are the apple of his eye. We're more important to him than the planets, than the solar system. So we say, how could you say something like that? This earth and heaven is going to go away. He's going to create new heavens and earth with no curse. Right? But we're not going anywhere. We're with him. We're with him. This everlasting love from the God who does not change. This is at such contrast to what's in the world round about us, isn't it? Oh, things are changing all the time. One day, you're their favorite. (laughs) Next month, don't come. You're not invited. (laughs) And if you are insecure, that'll devastate you. I said, that'll devastate you. And you say, will it devastate anybody? Not if the love of God is strong enough in you. If you know how much God loves you and you are secure in this everlasting love, even if people treat you like dirt, it'll roll off of you like water off a duck's back. You don't have to like it. You don't have to enjoy it. But you will not lose your footing because your soul is anchored in something that does not change. And you know that the one who matters most loves you the same. Exactly the same. Nothing has changed. It makes you so secure. So secure. So settled. So stable. So strong. And when people are doing their dirtiest and their worst, you just smile knowingly going, well. Somebody says, well, look, how did they change so much? You say, well, just give them a little time. Maybe they'll change back. Maybe they'll come back this way. And you can practice loving them while they're acting a fool, just like God loved you when you acted a fool. Go to... uh, Second Samuel. Said out loud, He loves me, he loves me. With, an with an everlasting love. There are few things more important to talk about. This is the foundation of your life, of what you are and what you do. The enemy is mean, he's cruel. And people oftentimes 
don't realize what their actions and their words, the effect and impact that they have on people. And that's regrettable. But if it devastates you, it's not all their fault. Because if you're secure enough in him, it couldn't shake you that deep. It couldn't shake you that bad. Perfect love does what? Well, they don't love me anymore. And what if they don't want to be around me anymore? And what if we can't hang out? And what if we can't have a life together anymore? And what? See, that fear of I'll be nothing, I'll have nothing, my life won't be worth living is a result of not having enough of your heart in God. You hear people say sometimes, well, man, if so-and-so died, I just don't think I could make it. If mama died or, or my spouse died or so-and-so, I don't think I could make it alone. I, I, I wouldn't want to live. Never say such a thing. Never say such a thing. That's acting like they're more important to you than God himself. If God's got enough of your heart, I didn't say you wouldn't feel it. I didn't say it wouldn't affect you. But if God's got enough of your heart, you can make it through anything. And not just make it through. You can actually have a good life. You can actually thrive. Because he's still there. God's still good. And he can still do good things with you and for you and through you. And he's always going to be there. And he's never going to leave. And he's never going to quit loving you. Never. And if he loves you, he's the most important one of all. If he counts you as important and valuable, then that's how you are. And if somebody else gives you a lesser value, that just means they're ignorant and don't know. Because if God says you're this and they say you're that, he's right. And they just don't know what they're talking about. And he has given you and I the highest value in the universe. Paid the most precious thing that has ever been paid for anything in all time and eternity. He paid every drop of the precious blood of the Lamb for you and me. God's not dumb. He doesn't pay a billion dollars for a two dollar item. Does he? Does he? The Bible said silver and gold would not buy us. There's not enough money in the universe to buy for us. The value of a soul, the Bible says, ceases forever. How valuable. I know people will kill each other over $20. That's just because they're so ignorant and so much darkness. Because the value of a human being, you can't put a dollar amount on it. It is inestimable. There was only one thing that could buy us. And God was willing to pay it. And Jesus was willing to pay it. He loves us. We're special to him. We're valuable to him. We're important to him. He's got big plans for us. Hmm? Do you believe it? He's got big plans. Big plans for us. 2 Samuel 13 and 1 is a perfect example of the love so-called of the flesh. The love of the world. I want you to see Such a picture of this. It came to pass that Absalom, the son of David, had a fair sister whose name was Tamar. And Amnon, the son of David, did what? He what? He loved her. He loved her. her. Verse 2. 
Amnon was so vexed. Hold up. Whoa, whoa. He was what? He was vexed. He fell sick for his sister Tamar because he's in love. You ever heard of love sick? Here you go. Love sick. Why? He's in love. He's so much in love with Tamar, he can't think straight. He's lost his appetite. He's sick. He's a sick puppy. Because he is so in love with Tamar. Ever heard of this before? If you read it, you know the rest of the story. Verse 3. He had a friend, Jonadab. He was a tricky guy. Verse 4. He said, why are you lean? What's your problem? And Amnon said, what? I love Tamar. He's been writing, you know, Amnon plus Tamar. (laughs) I love Tamar. She's the most beautiful, the, the smartest The most amazing. He loves her. (laughs) Keep reading. Jonadab said, what you need to do is lay down on the bed and act like you're sick, you know, more than you are. And ask your daddy to let my sister Tamar come and and give me some food. Verse 6. They did that. Verse 7. David sent home to Tamar. And told her to go do it. Her, his father said go fix him a meal. Your brother's sick. Half brother. Verse 8. She went to the house and he was laid down. She took the flour. She made the cakes. Baked the cakes. Took a pan. Poured them out. He wouldn't eat. You know the story. He drove everybody out. Verse 10. And he said bring the food in here. She brought it in. Verse 11. And when she brought it in he grabbed her. And he said come, come lie with me. In other words, you know, make love with me. Be be with me. Why? Why? Because he loves her. He loves her. (laughs) Verse 12. She said, no. Don't force me. No such thing ought to be done in Israel. Don't you do this. In verse 13. Where shall I go? My shame. And and how about you? You'll be looked at like a fool. She said, talk to the king. Arrangements were made sometimes with half-siblings. Fourteen, he would not hearken to her, and being stronger than her, he forced her and lay with her. Why? Why? Because he loves her. Really? Keep going. And then Amnon what? He what? Yeah, but he loves her. That was so five minutes ago. (laughs) This is what the world calls love. And it's got nothing to do with love. I love you. I can't live without you. Is not love. It's obsession. It's desire. It's self-love. You love what you imagine they can do for you. It's got nothing to do with them. 
as far as loving them. If you love them, you don't want to do something to them. You want to do something for them. If you love them, you're not trying to get something from them. You want to give something to them. He hated her exceedingly. So that the hatred wherewith he hated her was greater than the love wherewith he had loved her. Which never was real God kind of love, was it? Because when you love people, instead of hurting them, you would let yourself be hurt to spare them. That's what Jesus did for us, right? He took our place. Even when we were his enemies. He said, you get up and leave. Verse 16, she said, there's no cause. This evil in sending me away is greater than the other that you did to me. But he wouldn't listen to her. He said, put, her, put out this woman from me. Put out this woman. This is the love of his life. He can't even think straight. He's lovesick. He's fallen and fallen hard. Say it out loud. This is not love. This has nothing to do with love. Young people, older people too, listen to me. People start pressuring you. If you loved me, you'd do this. If you love me, yeah, if they loved you, they wouldn't be saying that. They wouldn't be pressuring you. They wouldn't be pushing you. They wouldn't be demanding from you. God so loved the world that he gave. Gave. This is a perfect picture. Of what the world calls love. What is heralded in the poetry books. The writings of the famous authors of plays. The movies, the books. This love that is so obsessive and so overwhelming and so all immersive. Can turn to hatred. Just like that. Because it's not love. It's obsession. It's desire. It's self-love. How many think every one of our children need to know this? Every one of our teenagers need to know this. Every one of our young people, all of us need to grow up knowing it. And realize that obsessions come and go. Being infatuated can change from day to day. Has nothing to do with love. And if we let these feelings rule us, we're being fools. Because we will destroy one relationship after another. And we'll always be looking for something. And when you find it, it's not going to stay that way. Feelings change. Everybody's feelings change. I tell you what doesn't change. God's everlasting love. It never changes. No matter what goofy thing you do. No matter how mean. How bad you mess up. Oh he didn't have to like it. He didn't have to make him feel good. But he didn't love you based on feelings to start with. And since his love was never based on a feeling for you. It's not changed by any feelings. Relative to you. And he still loves you. 
and wants the best for you and values you. Even when you have put yourself in the deepest ditch and it looks like there's no way out, he sees your value. He still sees you what he paid the price for in Christ to get. He still believes you can get there. He's willing to clean you up and take you back. Why? It's never changed and never will. Never will. Never will. Do you believe it? In 1 John we read, we have believed and received this love. And when you do, man, it pushes the phobias, the fears, the anxiety, the worries, the cares. You say, what if I die? Not what if. The Lord tears is coming that much longer. You're going to die. Me and everybody else. We're... We're soon to be out of here. What do you mean, what if? (laughs) I've never died before. But I am completely confident of this. That when I slip out of my body, love is going to be right there. Right there. Love is going to be there. And light is going to be there. You ever heard these people, the, the few that died and came back, they always talk about seeing that light. Oh, this amazing light, this glorious light, this glorious light. I just wanted to go to the light, and it was just pure love, pure love, pure love. (laughs) That shouldn't be a shock to us. God is light. God is love. And it doesn't matter where you are in the universe if love is with you. It doesn't matter what's going on if love's with you. You always have the same sense of worth, same sense of value, same sense that somebody wants you, has a place for you. That's always there. Never changes. And when that's as real to you as the air you breathe, it makes you fearless. You quit being a yo-yo. You quit being unstable. You quit being so easy to hurt. And so quick to get hurt and get mad and get upset. You become a rock. (laughs) Do you know what I mean by that? You become. I don't mean you don't care if nobody likes you or not. I don't mean that. You do. And and you'll have feelings of people that you care about. Say and do things that are hurtful. Yeah, yeah. You'll feel it. But it won't really get down inside you and pierce you. Because the thing that makes you who you are and gives you your security never changes. It is a constant, always there. When you open your eyes in the nighttime, love's right there. When you wake up in the morning, love's right there. Everywhere you go, everything you do, he's right there. He's right there. And he loves me. And it's never going to change. Oh, somebody say glory to God. Oh, say it again. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. In closing, go to Romans. Excuse me, John. John 13. He loves me with an everlasting love. John 13. Gospel account of John. And the 13th chapter. 
Jesus has been with the twelve for around three years, I guess. He's about to leave. And they are very concerned (laughs) about him saying he's leaving and they can't go. They're saying, we'll die with you. No, why can't we go? We're going. (laughs) And one of the things that he ministered to them with is the feast of the Passover. And at the table, he washed their feet. You remember that? Why do that? What does this show? What does this display? He laid aside his clothes. Skip down to verse 4. He took a towel, girded himself. He poured water in a basin. He began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe with the towel wherewith he's girded. I want you to put yourself in in their, their chair for just a little bit. The master, the head of the church, is kneeling down in front of you. He's got your foot in his hand. He washes your foot and he takes the towel that he's got tied around him and dries off your foot and your big toe and your pinky. (laughs) Who's doing this? The head of the church, the Alpha and the Omega, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He's drying your foot. When he asked when we got to Peter, Peter said, no way, no way. And Jesus said, you don't know what I'm doing now, but you'll understand it better later. He said, Lord, he said, if I don't wash you, you don't have a part with me. One thing about Peter, he knew when to change, didn't he? He said, well, okay then, not just my feet, but my head, my head, give me a bath. If that's what it takes to be a part of you, can you see the effect that love manifested in the flesh had on these men after being with him for a while they don't want to be apart from him and they don't want to do anything else with their life because it's what we're made for deep calls unto deep we come from love we're created by love we're going back to love it's our origin and it's our destiny hallelujah And it's what sustains us on the trip in between. And so he did. And uh, Jesus said, when he had washed their feet and taken his garments, verse 12, and he sat down again, he said, do you know what I've done to you? You call me master and Lord and you say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and master, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. I have given you an example that you should do as I have done. I say the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If you know these things, what? Happy, happy. happy. This is the key to fullness of joy. What? Washing somebody's stinky, dirty foot is a key to joy. The love that is expressed when you love someone enough, humility is evident and expressive. If you don't love them, you just want them to do stuff for you. And if anybody had the right for them to do something for him, it was the master. He said, you call me Lord and master, and that's true. I am. And if I, the master, have done this for you, what's the next word? You ought to do this kind of thing for each other. And if you go back to the start of the chapter, this is how it starts. 
Verse 1. Before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, he should depart out of the world unto the Father. Let's just stop right here. He is moments away from the scourging post. He's hours away from being nailed on the cross. He's hours away from being made sin with our sin. And does he say, guys, I really need your support right now. I need you to circle around me. And I need you to give me your strength. And I need you to hold me up. And I need you. Uh Uh-oh. See, that's not the love of God. The I need, I need, I want, I want, I got to have. That's that's not the love of God. That's self-love. You want what you can get from somebody. He's moments away from being scourged and crucified. And he says, read the rest of it. Having loved his own, he what? He what? What's the last thing he did while he was with them? Endeavoring to demonstrate to them how valuable and important they are to him. If the master would wash your feet, you must be somebody. You must be something of value. You must be something important to the Father. He's demonstrating. And he says, I want you to do this to each other. Philippians says, esteem each one other better than yourself. Treat each other like you're valuable. Like you're important. Love each other the way I have loved you. With the same everlasting love. And no matter what happens, you can do that. You don't have to like everything somebody does. You don't have to have all the feelings. You can still love them. You can still value them. You can still see their worth in him. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.